well, thank you so much for being here today, uh, Desert City. Thank you for tuning in online. If you want to open up to Jonah chapter 1, uh, last week we started a series on the book of Jonah uh, called The Fury of Mercy. We're going to continue in that today. So I'm going to start in verse 1. Uh, I think we've got uh, the words on the screen as well. It says, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. And he went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. And all the sailors were afraid, and each cried out to his own God. And they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone below deck, where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. The captain went to him, And said, how can you sleep? Get up, call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us and that we will not perish. This is the introduction, kind of moves us into scene two, which is on the ship on the way to Tarshish. Tarshish sounds like a dipping sauce or something that you'd use uh, for a meal. But we think what he he left Joppa, which is kind of on, uh, you know, the, the far eastern end of the Mediterranean and went to the far western end to Spain near the Rock of Gibraltar is where he was on his way, going completely the opposite way of where God called him. Last week we talked about how uh, Jonah is this this historical character. Uh, His name in Hebrew means dove. That doesn't really come into uh, this story at all, but I think it's kind of funny that his name means dove. Uh, But uh, he's a historical character living in sometime around the 8th century before Christ. He's a prophet of God. And this story is one of the most famous stories in Scripture. It's a story uh, that we, we believe, uh, you, you can say that it's, it's a historical story. It literally happened. Uh, there's other people that think it's more uh, of a parable. Um, when you ask me, what do you think? I say, this is a story that's true. And the story is authoritative uh, because it's true. And uh, some of the, the literary uh, conventions come out in, as you read through this. We talked last week about how there's like this parallelism. Uh, there's a chiasm, which is a form of Hebrew poetry, as the story is told. Um, it's really two stories, chapter one and chapter two and chapter three and chapter four that are told side by side. But today I want to look at chapters or uh, chapter one, verse four through six. And something interesting happens. This is one of the little play on words. Um, it says that God sends a great wind. Now, the word great there is important because it's the same word that is the great city of Nineveh. It's the same word described, that used to describe Nineveh. It's now used to describe this wind that is this violent storm. So he's told to go to the great city, but instead he does it, and now he's in this great storm. And uh, what, what, what we find, the lesson here, which I think is kind of dismaying news, is that when you don't listen to God, when you're disobedient to God, when you miss the mark of what God wants, uh, we have this word called sin, which is this churchy word that makes people feel like, ooh, when you hear it. Um, but here's kind of a lesson we learned, that, that sin always has a storm attached to it. When we go against God, it always has this storm that is attached to it. That's what Jonah is experiencing here. 
Now, we have to be careful when we say that because not every storm that is experienced in life is something that God sends at us. And not every storm that we're going through in life is because of a particular sin in our life. We see that with the sailors that are in the story. But one thing that is true is when we go against what God wants, eventually what's going to happen is we're going to end up with a storm that will follow us. Because here's why. The decisions that we make in life have consequences. The things that we do, the decisions that we make, have consequences. Some are good, some are bad. When we make bad decisions, there are consequences for those decisions. And that's just something that we, we know. Like I, uh, the Cardinals just started uh, last week, week one. They went and they beat the 49ers on the road. I am fired up. I'm a diehard Cardinals fan. Maybe you are too. They beat the 49ers, uh, which makes Paul Rivera sad. I don't think he's in here tonight, probably moping because they lost. Um, and if you're like me, you think the Cardinals are going to go like 5-0 and to start the season. So I'm like pumped up. Uh, one of the bummers is I have a friend that has season tickets to the Cardinals. And he takes me, he has four season tickets. He usually takes me like once a year with a bunch of buddies. And, uh, and we go to the game. We get pumped up. We're, we're excited. And there's something that we get every time we go. They're called pizza box nachos. No, you've ever had the pizza box nachos at the Cardinals game. This kind of proves my point about how our, our decisions have consequences. Because if you've ever had the pizza box nachos, let me describe what this snack is at the Cardinals game. It's a pizza box full of nachos. That's it. And, and what happens is when you go to a Cardinals game and, you know, there's this thing that guys have called, like, the law of diminishing IQ. Maybe you've heard about this. When, like, three guys are together and none of their significant others are around, and it's a group of dudes, every dude that you add to that group lowers the collective IQ of that group. And so, like, I'll go with my friends and we're hanging out and, it's just the guys, and we're like, you know, jacked up on adrenaline and energy drinks, and we're ready to watch the Cardinals, and what happens? I'm like, I remember last time I was here, I went and got the pizza box nachos, and I regretted it the whole time, so I'm just going to get like a hot dog. We sit down, we're pumped up, we're like, what are we going to eat? And I'm thinking, I'm hungry, and one by one, we look at each other, and we go, pizza box nachos, you know, because like you're fired up, and you're with the dudes, you're not thinking correctly, and you're like, that would be so fun to like totally pick out. So we would go, and you get the pizza box nachos, and you sit down. And you're like watching the game. And like for me, I'm like I'm halfway through the nachos and I'm full. But like you have to keep eating because there's so much adrenaline. You feel like as you're eating these nachos, you're actually helping the Cardinals win. You're so caught up in this game that the nachos are a journey where you're like, you know, it's and so like you end up eating the whole thing. And then every single time I do this, I make the decision. I get the pizza box nachos. And then by the fourth quarter, I'm sitting there full of cheese and regret. Wanting to just, you know, like it, it, punish, it punishes my body. And then for the next day, like there's this like, you know, this big storm inside of me. And, um, and what happens is like the decision you make to eat the nachos, your body takes the, it, your body pays for that. The decisions we make have consequences. And there's like this proverbial pizza box nachos uh, where we, we make certain decisions and storms tend to follow us because our decisions have consequences. And here with Jonah, we see that. The pastor Tim Keller kind of commentating on, commentating on this um, idea that, you know, he's gone, he decided not to go to the great city that God called him to, and now he's got this great storm that has kind of followed him. He says this about uh, the decisions we make. It says, we cannot treat our bodies indifferently and expect to have good health. But we cannot treat people indifferently and expect to maintain their friendship. 
We cannot all put our selfish interests ahead of the common good and still have a functioning society. If we violate the design and purpose of things, the things that God has put in place, if we sin against our bodies, our relationship, our society, those things strike back. There are consequences. And here we see that with with Jonah. It says that God sends this great wind. He's gone against what God has said. And the storm is what he finds himself in. There's this dismaying news that when we sin, there's always a storm that just catches up with us, follows us, catches up, and at some point, it's terrifying. Here's kind of the comforting news, and it doesn't sound comforting at first, but if, if a, a sin always has kind of a storm attached to it, the comforting news is, but most often, storms come to us not as the consequence of any particular sin, but as the unavoidable consequence of just living in a fallen and troubled world. And this is what I think the sailors are dealing with, right? They've done nothing wrong, but they're in this boat, and all of a sudden they're in the midst of this storm, and, and these are professional like sailors. They, they navigate these waters all the time. They understand how to get through storms. This storm has terrified them. They're caught up in it. It's not their fault, but they're experiencing the storm. They've done nothing wrong, and yet they are in the midst of the storm. We live in a fallen world. We live in a broken world. We're reminded of every single day where these storms are hitting us. A lot of you uh, haven't seen for about five or six months, maybe sometimes randomly or on Zoom calls, Uh, But since the last time we've kind of been able to be together as a church, we've had this storm that has hit us. I was in a meeting uh, this week with a group of pastors from North Phoenix. We get breakfast burritos together. We haven't done that in six months, but we all got together. And what we found is that all of us were just weary and tired and grieving. There was a sense of, like, loss. And I think that everyone is experiencing the sense of loss to, to some extent. And it's... It's interesting about the loss that we're feeling that is causing this weariness, this darkness with us, because, you know, we just kind of had this memory of 9-11 last week. And when 9-11 hit, there's this big tragedy that hit us. That event was kind of like isolated with a location and with timing. And and we had this sense of loss because of it. But we could point back and say, this is why we feel this way. Well, the storm that we're in right now, the, the, the sense of loss that we have, it's hard to kind of like identify it was this or it was that. So some people have the sense of loss of the loss of like the routine of life, the way of life that we had. Some people have a sense of loss of, uh, you know, uh, maybe it's work and maybe it's work being restructured. Maybe it's a sense of loss of finances. Uh, for others, it's a sense of loss of, of relationship. Um, this is a time where just there's a lot of tension and anger. Uh, for some people, it's, it's even more devastating. It's a, it's a loss of marriage. And then, and then for others, there's, there's the loss of, of health and, and the loss of life. And what's interesting is it's just kind of spread out over like six months. And we all are kind of experiencing the storm that just keeps feels like it feels like it keeps getting worse and worse. And there's no like specific thing that, that's like, oh, that's, that's what, that, what wounded me. It's almost like there's all of these different like paper cuts that we just keep having. And before you know it, you're just bleeding to death like bleeding everywhere. There's a storm that we're in because this world has fallen. And maybe you're experiencing that right now. 
What's interesting also about storms, the storm that chases Jonah and the storm that these sailors encounter is that, that it's a storm that in the midst of, of, of uh, the chaos of it, in the midst of the fury of it, what we find as we read through the story is that God's mercy is present in the storm. And it's, the mercy is present because it's chasing after Jonah. It's pursuing, God's mercy is pursuing Jonah to get Jonah back. And for these sailors, what we'll find, I think, next week's sermon is that the mercy for them is revealing to them actually who God is. There's this dependence on God, and they have this encounter with God in the midst of the storm where they have this aha moment and they have this new relationship with God. There's divine mercy in the midst of the storm. No matter why you're in the storm, God's mercy is there, which means this thing that we're experiencing, this six-month-long storm that feels like it keeps getting worse, if we are careful and pay attention to God's work, there's mercy in it for us. That doesn't mean it's easy or fun or that it's like you should, you know, be happy you're going through it. But there's mercy for us. Here's some of the things that, that, that storms do in our life. The fury of the storm means that God's work, mercy is at work because storms, they help us kind of reduce the power of, of sin and idols over our heart. Storms have a way of kind of like stripping those things back. For Jonah, for him running from God, what we find is that the storm will pull him kind of back into, into God's uh, uh, kind of plan for his life. Um, storms wake us up to the truths that sometimes we, other, we otherwise would never see. They cause us to kind of re-examine the way our life is, the way things are going. Um, they, they open us up to, uh, to new truths. Storms can develop faith and hope, and love, and patience, and humility, and self-control. These fruits of the Spirit were, that are evident that God is with us in the midst of the storm. Those things are developed in the midst of the hardship. Storms have helped people find faith in Christ and eternal life because the storm drove them to God, and we will find that with the sailors, that, that people sometimes, we, we go through these experiences where we are self-sufficient, we are self-absorbed, we are kind of in control of our life, and it, the rug just gets pulled out from under us, and we have this encounter with the God who's truly sovereign. Storms have a way of doing that, and there's so many people who I know as they came to Jesus as adults came because of a storm. There's divine mercy in the fury of the storm. Going back to Keller, he says this, Jonah could not see that deep within the terror of the storm, of the great wind, God's mercy was at work, drawing him back to change his heart. It's not surprising that Jonah missed this initially. He did not know how God would come into the world to save us. We, however, living on this side of the cross, know that God can save through weakness and suffering and apparent defeat. Those who watched Jesus dying saw uh, but loss and tragedy. Yet at the heart of that darkness, the divine mercy was powerfully at work, bringing about pardon and forgiveness for us. God's salvation came into the world through suffering. So his saving grace and power can work on our lives more and more as we go through the difficulty and sorrow. There's mercy deep inside of our storms. And what we find is that for Jonah, with him running away from God, all of the things that are inside of his heart that are causing him to run, he comes to this moment of realizing that God is pursuing him 
that God's pursuing him with the storm in the midst of the storm coming after him. There's divine mercy in the storm. In the midst of everything that we're going through right now, and everybody is going through something right now, if we pay attention, we'll realize God is at work. And this season of storm can be one of the most refining and redeeming seasons of our lives. There is mercy in the fury of the storm. God is at work in our hearts, in our soul, in our lives. Verse 5 goes on to say, All the sailors were afraid, and each cried out to his own God. And they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone below deck, where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. And the captain went to him and said, How can you sleep? Get up, call on your God, and maybe he will take notice of us so that we will not perish. Now, as you read kind of the details of the story, what you'll find next week, uh, with th- th- there's kind of a parallel here with another story in the New Testament, right? When Jesus is on the Sea of Galilee and the storm comes, Jesus is what? Asleep. Well, that has this different kind of outcome. For here, for Jonah, the storm's happening, and he's asleep. And he's asleep when the violence has, like, terrified these sailors, He's completely disengaged with everything that has happened and hit with him leaving, running away, fleeing, not responding compassionately to the call of God and his life. In the midst of this storm, he decides to just check out. I mean, for, for him, he, he must have just been like, we're going under. I'm just going to go beneath deck and whatever happens, happens. I heard one scholar call this the sleep of sorrow that Jonah is doing in the midst of the storm, he just checks out. It says, the sleep of sorrow is the desire to escape reality through sleep, even for a little while. He was profoundly spent and exhausted, drained by powerful emotions of anger, guilt, anxiety, and grief. And I wonder if you have experienced that right now, the sleep of sorrow, where the world is just so heavy and exhausting and confusing. That there's just this desire to just check out the apathy, or not even the apathy, just the, I can't handle it anymore. The sleep of sorrow is what Jonah is experiencing right here. And what's fascinating is uh, that, that there's this contrast between these pagan sailors who are praying to their God and this prophet of God who should, who should be absolutely engaged in understanding like what God is up to in the midst of this. And oftentimes it's like we, we kind of identify with a character in scripture. Here's where I would, th- I feel like I would identify with Jonah right now. Because so often I have someone else, you know, speak into my life and I'm like, I should know that, right? I should be doing that. And I just, I, I'm a pastor, of course, of course. And I don't. Here's kind of what the contrast looks like. Like Jonah, he's kind of out of touch with the situation. And but the sailors, these pagan sailors are extremely alert to what's happening. They have this heightened sense of awareness of what's going on in the world. Jonah is thoroughly absorbed by his own problems. He's thoroughly self-absorbed and moping. The sailors are seeking the common good of everyone on the boat. They are scrambling, trying to figure out how to save everybody. 
The sailors are praying, albeit they're praying to their own gods, but Jonah does not pray at all. The sailors are not just kind of like narrow-minded or bigoted, but Jonah is in this position because of that heart stance towards others. What we find is that the story of Jonah is God has sent his prophet to point pagans towards God. But right here we have pagans pointing the prophet back to God. There's this twist here where it's like these, these people who should, shouldn't know any better are the ones that are drawing Jonah back into like, what's going on here? And the captain comes to Jonah and, and he, he wakes him up and he says this little phrase where he says, arise and call on your God. This is something we miss when you read it in English because this call, arise, when you read it in the Hebrew, it's the same Phrase the exact, the exact same phrase that God uses in verse 1, where he says, Arise, Jonah, and go to Nineveh, the great city. So Jonah wakes up to this captain of the ship saying the same words that God said to him, this echo of what God says to him in the midst of the storm. You know how eerie that would have been for Jonah? Like you, you, you almost can like hear the echo of God in this captain's call, Arise, Pray to your God. I think this story kind of opens us up to response of how, how it's so easy in the midst of the storm to just kind of fall into like this, uh, this posture that Jonah is in. And with everything that is going on in the world right now, with all the confusion, with all the pain, with all of the suffering, the people of God, me, so often identifies with Jonah. So often do I identify with Jonah. For Jonah, it's interesting, he, he's called to go to this, you know, this great city of Nineveh where a bunch of you know, pagans live to call them back to God. He doesn't want to do that. He doesn't want to do that because he doesn't understand God's mercy for these people. He's got all sorts of kind of hatred towards these people. But he ends up in the presence of people maybe much like the Ninevites. And here they are kind of ministering to him. I think what we find is that the lack of mercy in Jonah's attitude and actions toward others reveal that he's actually a stranger in his heart to the saving mercy of God. This storm starts to call him back. This storm starts to say, you know, you might have all the theological answers, but you're missing the mercy of God for other people. And this storm exposes that in Jonah's life. We'll kind of find out what happens next next week. But I think that this text, these three or four verses, uh, call us to a time of reflection and questions. In the midst of everything that we are experiencing right now, I think these verses call us into uh, to question exactly where we're at. And I want to spend some time just kind of thinking about these questions uh, as Tim comes back up. But, but here's, here's the first one to start with. Maybe, maybe like Jonah right now, you've, you've found that you have you've ran away from God in a certain way. You, you know that God has called you to do something. You, you know um, that there is a certain task. You know better, and you've, you've missed that mark. And you need to just come to this place of repentance for the proverbial pizza box nachos that you've eaten again. Maybe you're allowing the season uh, 
it, maybe you need to allow the season to be a time of refining and you need to ask, are you allowing that to happen? Are you allowing this storm to be something that God works in your life to refine and redeem? Another question is, are you aware of this divine mercy and the fury of the storm that even in the midst of something that feels violent and out of control, even in the midst of something that we don't necessarily understand, that there's this divine mercy that God might be calling us back to certain things? And the final question, are you acting like the apathetic prophet like Jonah or the sailors in the midst of the storm? Do you have this heightened sense of, of, uh, of urgency, of, of, you know, for them, they're crying out to their gods, or you like Jonah, where you've just checked out the sleep of sorrow, not crying out to God through prayer. If there's anything that we can do in the midst of this storm, it's pray. So I'll take a few moments to just kind of reflect in silence, and then we're going to close with one last song. But let's, let's bow our heads and let's just kind of think about these questions, and I'll, I'll lead us through prayer. Lord, we're so grateful for this old story. We're grateful for your word that is so easily understood by children, like the story of Jonah and the whale. And then there's this depth to it that as adults, we come back to it. And it just, it speaks to a greater darkness in our world. We hear you call Jonah to, or to rise up. We see Jonah leave. Jonah finds himself in the midst of a storm. We hear the captain's voice saying, Arise, Lord. And tonight I pray that we would hear the echo of your voice. In our lives, old words that call us home. Lord, I pray for a heightened sense of your work in us that in the midst of the storm that we're experiencing, there would be mercy, refinement, redeeming. And Lord, that we would return to you. Lord, not only that we would experience and accept the mercy you offer us, Lord, but that mercy would just flow out of us to others. And in this broken world, that would be good news. So we give you this time tonight, Lord. We ask that you would speak to us again, that you would refresh our hearts, that you would call us home. In your son's name we pray.